Yeah. Old man. <laughs> Let there be light. Okay. Today, today it's okay. Peter, Peter ran into the tomb. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, excuse me. <laughs> no, not today. <laughs> not today. Okay. 1 Corinthians 15 is, is a passage that, you know, you might think it's not an Easter. Easter is supposed to be one of the Gospels, but there, you know, the New Testament is written in response to that. And uh, this is a good passage. So, so Jesus is alive again, right? He is alive again. It's not enough to say he's alive, but he's alive again. And then there's the question, which word is actually better? I'm going, yeah, alive is better. But again, it's really good. It's like steak is good, steak sauce makes it better, right? <laughs> it's it's, it's kind of like that. Again, again is such an awesome word to add to a life. It's because he's not alive still, like some ancient Methuselah who, who just hasn't died. He is alive again. He, he hasn't simply conquered death by, I haven't died, but he has conquered death by dying and coming back. And that is the promise that we have. And, it, and it's a, a powerful and valuable thing for us. Our hope is not in living. Our hope is in living again. Living with new bodies. Living with bodies that can go into the tomb <laughs> and come out without pain. Okay? <laughs> In light of that, I'd like to share with you two surveys that come out of the United Kingdom. I don't know exactly the scope of these surveys. Uh, this first one was taken April 10th, 2017. So this is a two-year-old survey from, uh, from England or the United Kingdom. Uh, and the title of this, this sur- the, it's from an article from an, uh, a periodical called, uh, I don't remember what it's called. I have it written here somewhere. Uh, but it... Uh, the title is, A Quarter of Christians Don't Believe in the Resurrection. And, and the, the quote from the article says, Fewer than one in three Christians in Britain believe word for word the biblical story of Jesus rising from the dead. Forty-one percent believing some sections should not be read literally. But the Palm Sunday poll for BBC found 23 percent of those calling themselves Christian do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead at all. And so you go, 23 percent of Christians. And, and, and by the way, you're defining Christian with a little bit of uh, freedom there at that point. But, but let's call them 23% of people who pro- profess Christianity in, in Great Britain in 2017 uh, said they didn't believe Jesus rose from the dead at all. Now, that's 2017. This next one is from April 16th, 2019. Right? Today's the 21st. This was Monday. Or was that Tuesday? Tuesday. Tuesday, this poll was taken. It says a new poll reveals that less than half 46% of the Christians in the United Kingdom believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the world's sins. Results from a BBC poll conducted last month on more than 2,000 British adults were announced by a BBC radio program Sunday, spurring the host to ask how much of the traditional story is actually optional for Christians. <laughs> and, and apparently the whole thing is optional. Now, with the first article, though, came this, the rest of this. This is not part of the survey results. This is part of the article. Imagine if the headline read, A Quarter of Atheists Believe in God. 
<laughs> it kind of points out how stupid, right? It's stup- I get in trouble when I say stupid. <laughs> but it's stupid <laughs> to call yourself a Christian and not believe in the resurrection. Uh, we'd be baffled. Uh, to be an atheist means to not believe in God. That's what it means. If an atheist believes in God, then he is no longer an atheist. Stating that isn't judgmental or narrow-minded. It's an acknowledgment of the facts. The same would be true of vegetarians who eat meat. <laughs> By the way, how many of you know vegetarians who, who have eaten meat? <laughs> we call them relapsed vegetarians. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, it goes on... Uh, Blind people who can see and married people who are single. (laughs) One truth must override the other. So sadly, what the Telegraph has reported isn't that a quarter of Christians don't believe in the resurrection. It's that a quarter of Christians aren't even Christian at all, which is clearly uh, a better truth. Uh, And and we go, "What what an absurd world we live in. What an absurd time we live in. Except when we read 1 Corinthians 15, we find out that it's not limited to our time. Because 1 Corinthians 15 is about that exact same things happening in their time. So uh, let's start with 1 Corinthians 15.12. It's actually not part of the passage. But 1 Corinthians 15.12 tells you what problem Paul is addressing when he wrote 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 12. Now if... Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead? And we find this was a problem then. In a little historical context, that was 25 years after the resurrection happened. You know, there are people running around who try to claim the New Testament was written hundreds of years after the fact, that people were basically taking myths and stories and they wrote them down and they compiled them into a Bible some hundreds of years after the facts. That's simply hogwash. It's simply not true. Someone to make that kind of claim, the burden of proof is on them, and what they have is as they try to prove it, they find out they're wrong, that there is way, way too much evidence that the Bible was written when it claims to have been written. The, 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 the quotations of the Bible, the places the Bible that is, has been found, the ancient manuscripts they find, there's way too much evidence the Bible was written at the time when it, when it was, was claims to be written. And what we find is people who say it wasn't written then are trying to find reasons to not have to listen to the Bible. But that particular reason is bankrupt. It is, it is foolish and, and unsupportable by evidence. But 1 Corinthians which then in that case, if it's written when it claims to be written, it's written about the year 55 A.D. I mean, it doesn't have a born-on date. It doesn't have a copyright date. We can't prove exactly when it happened. But it was written about 55 A.D., which means it was about 25 years after the resurrection. Now, some of you, for some of you, 25 years ago was a really long time. You're welcome. (laughs) For some of us, it's the blink of an eye. Yesterday was the 20th anniversary of Columbine. How many of you said, 20 years? What? That was 20 years ago? Could you imagine somebody trying to deny it? We're 18 and a half years after 9-11. Can you imagine somebody trying to deny it? There's too much knowledge. It's too evident in our lives. The, it's like someone denying, people are trying to deny the, the, the Holocaust. Now, that's been 70 years. 
So you can say, okay, well, maybe there's, there's a little more explanation for that. But, you know, I, have, I, have, I did not witness the Holocaust, but I have met people with the tattooed arms, with the numbers tattooed on their arms. So at least until I die, there's someone I will call a witness to the Holocaust. And it's me. Right? And, and if, when, when I die, right, if, if God gives this world another hundred years, will the Holocaust ever be deniable? And the answer is, is well, if, because people want to deny it, they'll find a way to deny it. But the evidence is too rich. And what, what is Paul saying here in 1 Corinthians 15? Is he saying people are trying to deny it, but how do you deny something so easily demonstrated to be true? Because 25 years after Jesus died and rose again, there are way too many people running around saying, I remember that. I saw that. I know it's true. How could you possibly deny it? And they're telling other people the resurrection is true. And, and, and so we come into 15:12. If, if, now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? And I want to say that this is a case of Christians denying, you know, that's the quotation mark, is that Christians denying the resurrection because he says, how can some of you say there is no resurrection? And I'm not, and I'm saying, I'm going to say what, what the Telegraph said. They're not Christians at all. But they are calling themselves Christian. 25 years after the fact, people who did, do not believe in the resurrection are saying, yeah, I'm a Christian. I just don't believe in the resurrection. And you go, how is that even possible? Uh, but it was true. People were doing that. People who were in their midst. People who were in their fellowship. People who presumed to have enough authority to speak out. So that Paul, who, who was in Ephesus at the time he wrote 1 Cor Corinthians, who is, you know, is a, a, a day's or, or more sea, day, sea journey away, hears about it. right, And writes back to tell them, You guys, I'm hearing in Ephesus that there are people saying there's no such thing as the resurrection. The news was spreading. This was people who, who claimed to be able to... See, if you quietly don't believe in the resurrection, that's... I don't want to say it's your business. You're still wrong. But there's a difference between someone quietly not believing it and someone saying, yeah, I'm a Christian and I don't believe in the resurrection. And by the way, you know what they say next? And you don't have to be a Christian to believe in... The, or you don't have to believe in the resurrection to be a Christian. You can be a Christian. And you know how I know that? Because kids come back to me from college classes telling me that that's what their teacher said. You know, their professors in these community colleges and, and public funding. So I'm like, college is a wonderful thing, but go there aware. And you'll send your kids there aware of what they will face. Armed and ready to stand in front and say, teacher, you may be really good at English comp, <laughs> but you don't know beans about Christ. Teacher, you may be really good at calculus, but you don't know beans about Christ. Because he is real. The resurrection is real. These things are true. For those people who say those things, Christian, Christianity is nothing more than an empty, impotent philosophy. Uh, and, and for some reason, they see a need to share their silliness, their foolish folly. And, and so Paul is writing what we're going to see today. He, said, he answers it. He's got this really, really complicated answer to them. It's really hard to follow the logic of this. I mean, it's, you get so baffled in his reasoning, he says... No, it happened. <laughs> he doesn't get complicated because the answer is so simple. It happened. The resurrection is real. And all those people and all their philosophy and all their intelligence and all their authority and all their claims, first, no, the resurrection is real, and two, no, you cannot be a Christian and deny the resurrection because the Jesus you are believing in is not the Jesus of the Bible. 
In Mexico, I laugh about the name Jesus. We were laughing about it in Sunday school this morning. There are, uh, you know, there are 700,000 boys running around with the name Jesus, right? There's a whole bunch of Jesuses out there. There's only one Jesus who saves, right? Uh, there's only one Jesus who saves, and he's the one of the Bible. And, and what do we find? First thing, the gospel hasn't changed. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 2. Now, I would remind you, right? I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. He doesn't say, I'm going to tell you something new, right? Paul, Paul have you ever worked on a problem? I shouldn't say, have you ever, because I know you have. So in that sense, it's a rhetorical question, where you worked on a problem and you thought you had it figured out, and then someone comes in and says, well, did you consider this? And you go, oh, no, that, I have to rethink this, right? And you go back and you rethink that, think it, because you, you ran into a problem that you, you didn't see that issue, that snag. And so you have to go back to the drawing board and start over again, right? We do that with all sorts of things, okay? Uh, Paul didn't have to go back to the drawing board. When people came along and said, well, the resurrection is, he didn't have to go, oh, well, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> he, he didn't have to go back and say, let me think on this. Let me go see if I can find an answer. His answer was real simple. The resurrection is real. Remember the gospel I first preached to you. He doesn't say, let me tell you something new. He says, let me remind you what I already said. It was true. It has not changed. Uh, the Bible doesn't need a new truth or a new answer to a new problem. It's an old truth, and it's the one we started with, and, and that's the answer. Jesus, what do we tell little children? Right? What do we tell little children? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Do you ever have to change that? You never have to change that because the Bible tells you Jesus loves you. <laughs> Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It's something children can grasp, and, and old guys can still grasp it. And I don't have to modify it. I don't have to change it. I don't have to alter it. I don't have to say, well, he loves little children, yeah, but, you know, and I've heard people do that, if you believe that or not, uh, but I, I've heard people do that. Yeah, but he doesn't actually, and I'm going, give me a break. Uh, Okay, you never have to change that Jesus died to pay for your sins. You never have to change that you asked Jesus to be your Savior. You never have to change that Jesus rose from the dead. It is the same truth for every single one of us. And nobody's doubts, nobody's questions, nobody will ever disprove that because it's true. Because it's true. And we build on that and we rest on that. And he doesn't have to. So someone's intelligent. I mean, there's a lot of. I'm not, I do not want to take away from the intelligence of the people on the other side of this issue, right? I'm not going to pretend they're not smart. They are smart. And when I say that, <laughs> I mean, some of them are a lot smarter than this guy standing up here, right? I don't want to shock you. You did not hire me for my intelligence, okay? <laughs> if you did, you might have hired the other guy, <laughs> you know, that came down the road. Uh, it, it, it's not because we're so smart, but someone intelligent and sophisticated and successful comes up to you and he says, oh, how foolish of you. Right? That's what the, that's what the teachers, why, why the teachers get away with it and why they intimidate the students so much because they are represent, representatives of authority. They are clearly intelligent or at least believed to be intelligent. They, are, they, are, they seem sophisticated. And, and we, little hicks from the sticks out here, you know, we look really foolish by comparison to them sometimes. And so they, they, they say, oh, how foolish of you to believe such a quaint notion. 
right? How silly of you to believe such a thing, right? Uh, you can't possibly believe that. And I'll tell you the answer to that. It, okay, this is hard to follow again. High, complicated, difficult to follow the reasoning. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can believe the resurrection. And I don't care who says it's not. You know, you, you, he says, I would like to remind you, brethren, of the gospel I already preached to you. He's not amending it. He's not revising it. He's not giving a redacted version of it. He is not apologizing from it. He says, the one you received, the same one you said before, and I'm not changing an iota of it. Right? He is not changing a thing. And then he says, uh, on which you stand. Okay, first thing about on which you stand is on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, right? So I'm standing on the rock, and the guy over there on the sinking sand is calling me an idiot. <laughs> hey, can I give you a hand? No, no, I'm better than you. <laughs> okay, but, but you're sinking, can I give you a hand? No, no, you're the one who's wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry, that, that's not the truth. So I stand, the truth on which I stand. And the second part of it is I will stand. And I will not desert the rock upon which I am standing. Right? If 23% of the Christians don't believe in the resurrection, does that mean I should jump off the rock? If 54% of the Christians don't believe in the resurrection, because if 46 do, that means 54 don't, at that point, should I jump off the rock? Let me tell you something. If 99% of people who call themselves Christians are saying there is no resurrection, I'm staying on that rock. Amen. Yeah, amen. I'll say that. Stay on the rock. The same truths you heard, the same truths, the simple truths, you can stand on those. And he says, by which you are saved. He actually says, for which, by which you are being saved. And it sounds a little difficult there. He says, uh, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you unless you are believing in vain. Again, I'm going to say two things about that saved. First, there is by which you have been saved, right? Uh, don't be afraid. Can, your salvation is not conditional as if it may slip through your fingers. Because Jesus said, my father who gave them me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them from his hand. Right? It's not like salvation is going to slip through my fingers. It's not in my fingers. It's in his fingers. <laughs> Right? My salvation is not slipping through God's fingers. I'm sorry. Uh, his fingers are really, really strong. Right? Uh, and, and it's not slipping through. So that's not what it's saying. But, but what is he saying? He says, by which you are being saved. You know what? I am an American, and I am being an American. What's the difference between those? See, if I am an American, it's because, I, in my case, I was born American. I have citizenship by birth. Right? I'm an American. What does it mean when I'm being an American? Something different, something more, does it not? Okay, by which you are saved, by which you are being saved, if you hold fast the word. In other words, if you are being saved, you are representing your salvation. You are living a life worthy of your salvation. You are showing to the world you are saved by the way you live, by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word of the truth. So you step off the rock, you're not losing your salvation, but you're losing your standing. You're losing your ability to be, to live being saved. Right? Uh, because you can't do that. H how well are you going to represent Jesus Christ if you say, well, you don't need Jesus Christ? How well are you going to represent Jesus Christ if you say you don't need the resurrection? See, you're going to pretend to represent him. You can stand up in a class and say you don't need that. You're doing a lousy job. 
You are not being saved. Okay? So, so, so I think that's all that's saying. We don't want to make too much out of that. And then we move on to verses 3 through 5. Really, it's 3 through 4. And we find the simple gospel. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Or as Paul didn't make it up. Paul did not make up the gospel. He did not sit down someday and say, I need to figure out how to tell people uh, to believe in Christ. He didn't make up the gospel. He received the gospel, the good news. right? Uh, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And then it says, and then he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. It goes on, and he appeared to more than 500 at one time than to me last as of one untimely born. Uh, and he goes through the, the list there. He says, Christ died for our sins in accordance to the scriptures, or accordance with the scriptures. You know, we looked at this last week. If you weren't here last week, uh, you know, you missed the, one of the most awesome passages in scripture, Isaiah 53, which contains this line, all we like sheep have gone astray. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Right? Uh, he died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Uh, it's important to recognize that he didn't just die for our sins. I mean, which is hard to say just to that. But that it was in accordance with the scriptures. This wasn't an on-the-way-as-you-go improvisation. God, God wasn't looking down and saying, well, plan A didn't work. What can I do now? Right? This was the plan from the beginning, the foundation of the world. He's not making it up. He's not grasping at straws. This was in accordance with God's plan from eternity past. Uh, Christ died for our sins in accordance to the scriptures. And then it goes on, it says, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance to the scriptures. And that one's a little harder looking. Well, I don't know where the scriptures are for that. Well, again, we saw his burial in Isaiah last week where he said uh, he was assigned a, a grave with the, with the wicked but was with the rich, or, and was with, with the rich in his death. And we find his, his grave was supposed to be with the wicked, but he was then put in a rich man's tomb. It's completely, you know, gets the plans of the powers that be. Uh, we saw that. Psalm 1610 says, For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. And we find that Jesus did not see corruption. He was not abandoned. He was, he was cared for. Hosea 6.2 contains a prophecy that says, After two days he will revive us. On the third day he will raise us up that we may live before him. Right? Uh, and so we find three days. We find according to the scriptures. Jesus himself used the used this picture of Jonah as a picture of his own time. He says, even for as Jonah was three days in the belly, uh, three days and nights in the belly of a fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and nights in the uh, earth or in, the, in under the. I don't remember exactly how he says that. Uh, accordance with the scriptures, and 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 so it, it's that simple. And then to seal the deal, to prove he's not just talking. He says, by the way, there's lots of witnesses. This was just 25 years ago. He doesn't throw in that just 25 years ago because it's still valid for us today that at that time there were 25, uh, it was all, there were witnesses all, all over the place. There was Peter. There was James. There were the apostles. There was 500 at one time. There was Peter or uh, yeah, Paul himself who says as one untimely born. He says there's too many witnesses. I, I've, I've got a book, I've referred to this a few times, called Cold Case Christianity, a... Uh, homicide officer looks at the, I can't remember the exact 
title, but, but, but uh, basically a guy who was a, a homicide cop, the kind who was assigned, he was often assigned cold cases, you know, 10, 20, 30-year-old cases to solve, and had expertise at that, who was not a Christian, applied his skills to the Gospels. <laughs> and, and, and he looked for, for the evidence, and what he walked away with is, the Gospels are telling the truth. And one of the, but one of the things he said was, an eyewitness testimony does not decay over time. Because it was an eyewitness testimony 30 years ago, it is still valid as an eyewitness testimony today. Right? It doesn't change. It hasn't undergone 30 years of someone thinking about it. It was written down at that time. Right? Uh, and so, so these people, because they were valid eyewitnesses then, they are valid eyewitnesses today. They are still